I fear our needs will far outlast our desires. We have many hard choices ahead of us, Professor X. Dun, dun, dun. Hard choices. Man, here we go. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And today we are talking about Powers of Ten, number four, Something Sinister, which we had actually (laughs) decoded. That's the title of the issue, a little sneak peek. But we decoded that. At the back of what two, was that? Uh, two episodes ago. Yeah. Using our Krakoan. Yeah, our little Krakoan key. Learning that Krakoan language. We're mutants. If anyone has done any interesting Krakoan writing since this, send it to us at the Xwife Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, one of our Instagram followers had said that he had a tattoo in Krakoan. And I've seen a Krakoan tattoo that said mutant and proud. That's awesome. Yeah. Show us what you got. Justin's opening that comic right now, and I'm so excited. Show me those covers. What are we looking at today? So we have one cover. It is the standard issue cover. The OG. The OG. All right. Ooh, lots of floating heads going on. Lots of floating heads, all potentially connected to or through Professor X. Excuse me, there are some deceased floating heads. Yeah, well, yeah, they uh, were potentially decapitated. (laughs) Their bodies were found. That is not true. In space. Okay, Wolverine was disintegrated. This is cool. I'm into this. It's got a very cerebro vibe. Yeah. I also like how, you know, some characters might have white eyes because of or or a solid color eye because of what how their power interacts. I'm thinking about Storm. I'm thinking about maybe Jean Grey when she's using her telepathy, but to the degree that everyone on this cover has whited out eyes is very interesting to me. Look at beardy faced Magneto. That's North. That's remember from. Oh. You never. You don't want to give up on that, that guy being Magneto. You, <laughs> you want him to be Magneto so bad. Because I need Magneto in my life always. Well, he'll be here. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, indeed. Shall we get into it? Oh yeah, let's get into it. Page turn noise. Yeah, I'm giving you the eyes. Don't even think about doing that ever again. It's become very hotly contested action sound. It's mine. It's my little thing. It's my thing that I do. It's my little thing that I do. We got our quote from Professor X right at the top. Xavier Alpha at the bottom of that page. I think we had seen Magneto Omega at one point. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And then we get right to our title page. Something sinister. Something sinister. We got Krakoan. Kind of recognize some of those letters, especially in four. I feel like E's and F's and O's, I'm starting to pick up when, when it's that. The A is a little tricky, but. Yeah. In the bottom right, sinister with the cape. With the cape. With the cape, a little flare. No cape. Oh, we got capes. No, I know. Just Edna. She says no capes. 
Wrong universe. Mm. We have our creative team for issue four, written again by Jonathan Hickman, art by R.B. Silva, colors by Marta Gracia, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and design by Tom Muller. And our editorial team, Annalise and Jordan, C.B. Sibolsky, as the editor-in-chief, Joe Cozada, Dan Buckley, Alan Fine. The team's all here. Here we are. Bar Sinister. Really great visuals. Again, visual introduction. This, I feel like it feels cinematic to me. You know, that wide yeah. location, visibly identifiable characters. You know that that's Professor X and Magneto before you see their faces. Do you? Just by the silhouettes. Um, do you? I, I do. You don't? <laughs> could be Magneto, could be North. That's true. <laughs> We've been fooled in the past. Um, but it's probably not North because we're in year, year one. Year one, yes. Right? I was just X to the say zero. That. Year one, powers of 10. Here we go. Put your helmets on your brains to keep them intact. Which I do want to point something out here before we start talking about what the characters are saying. This says year one, right? So we're in that same time frame that we've been in where Moira opens her mind to Charles, where Charles and Moira go to Magneto. Interesting thing to note here, Charles has his hover chair. Okay. Where previously he was walking in the first when he met Moira mm-hmm. and then was in a wheelchair when he met with Magneto. And now he's in a hover chair. And now he's in a hover chair. He's just progressing. So this year one feels more like a period of time. It almost feels like everything before House of X. Yeah, because it's not one year, actually. Right. It's more like one generation. Professor X's hover chair first appeared in 1991's X-Men number one, the adjectiveless relaunch of the prime title. Look at you. You're so smart. Yeah. That bunch of useless knowledge right up in here. Right up in here. All right. So they're going to this bar I'm, sinister. Yeah, I'm going to call it a crystal palace. Yeah. It looks like a crystal palace. That's really accurate. Guard says, we can't help you, but comments on the fact that Magneto has a perfect cape. His outfit matches that crystal palace yeah. spot on. Right. It's red and purple. Is asking if they have an appointment, but no, we need to see Nathaniel Essex. Which one? There are so many of us. We'll settle for the one in charge. Wait, what? What? What do you mean there are so many of us? Well, you know Sinister. He's especially... No, actually, I don't. You don't, you don't know just Sinister know his name very well. is Mr. Sinister, and yeah. you have an action figure of him. Yep, and he is an and evil geneticist that okay. does a lot with cloning, particularly himself. Oh, as we'll I find, do know Sinister. This is we'll find I have here. Of this. We'll find here on Bar Sinister, which in this first page, you know, to say that there are so many of us, we'll settle for the one in charge. Oh, that's funny. How many different Sinisters can there be? And and is this just a community of this man and his clones? <laughs> he just wants to hang out with himself. Mm. All right. Well, Magneto being Magneto and just throwing him through. The wall, and <laughs> Professor Xavier, Professor Xavier saying, "Hey, we we need him. We need this man. Yes, no, Charles, no, Charles. This man needs to decide if he wants to escort us inside or not." Amazing. That's why I love Magneto. 
He has his way of getting things done. Whoa. Are all of these people Mr. Sinisters? It looks like it. But some of them are ladies. Some of them are ladies. Some of them are... We don't know. They could be anything. Sure. Yep. They look differently. You've got one sitting in the chair. Stylized from different time periods. Yep. Yeah, he's a weird guy. Whatever. He likes what he likes. He likes what he likes. Don't yuck his yum. You know, this is what he's into. <laughs> I hate that expression. I love it. I don't know why. I really, it's like when someone says, I'm sorry if you hate this word, moist. It has the same, don't yuck my yum. Mm-hmm. It, it, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, I love this. It, it Almost like a presenting Magneto and Charles Xavier. It's very um, royal court. Yes. And so they start talking to Sinister and he stops them. Before either of you says another word, I want to make one thing perfectly clear. I, period, love, period, that, period, cape, period. This cape. Amazing, period. Why do I not have a cape? How do I not have a cape? (laughs) I'm kind of into like how sassy Mr. Sinister is. Oh, you have no idea. I really don't. I really have no idea, but I'm starting to actually dig him. This, I mean, he's eccentric, he's sassy. This iteration of him really plays that up. How present it was in previous iterations is arguable, but... Wait, uh, I just looked <laughs> I just looked forward. Is this guy saying that he doesn't have a cape? He says, it slipped my mind, and then Mr. Well, Sinister well, he, says, he said, execute this man. <laughs> because this, that same guy is telling Sinister, it's a crime, sir, an outrage. Honestly, I've always thought you would you should wear one. Well, if you really thought that, why didn't you say something? <laughs> it slipped my mind. Execute this man. And just to see the carnage and violence happening on the next page, that big panel as these other guards descend on this clone of Sinister, ripping his arm off with Xavier and Magneto in the background. <laughs> it was like, I'll wait. Question. The... um. The man who becomes executed mm-hmm. has a purple diamond on his forehead, but the one Mr. Sinister has a red. Do those purple ones indicate clones and the red is the OG or is that uh, just? I would say no because of what happens in a couple of pages. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that might just be the coloration of how things are hitting the light. Normally, Sinister messes with red diamonds. And so Xavier mentions, actually, we're hoping that we can help each other as we're aware of your ongoing endeavors in the area of genetics. He's like, we know you've been cloning people. How do you how do you know that? How how would you know that? I'm honest. I I do amazing work. I'm not surprised words getting around. I love him. (laughs) And so they're aware and they're bringing attention to the fact that Sinister is building a library, your attempt to cataloging the world's DNA. Ooh. And Xavier isn't interested in that overall, but we're suggesting a slight deviation of focus. Continue with your broad indexing if you want, but we want you to prioritize making a comprehensive database of all mutant DNA. Safe, secure, redundant. We can provide you with samples you might have trouble getting on your own, including ours. Why would they get... Why would... They're just going to... What? Okay, I can see them... Well, no, I don't know why. I guess if I'm thinking about chimeras and things like that, it plays into that in the future or whenever that happens. But well, that was in, that gonna, was in Life Nine, right? Yeah, you're just gonna give 
Mr. Sinister, your mm-hmm. DNA. Yeah. That's just that's the hubris of Charles Xavier, you know? And and Magneto, who knows? No. No. Yeah, no, that's, it's Charles. That's Magneto being like, All right. Yeah. I'm on this boat with you, Charles. Let's get on it. Let's get it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sinister kind of rebuttals, why would I have such special interest in the mutant gene? And Magneto is telling him, we've, I've seen the future and this cause, mutantum, is yours. He's saying, no, I, I messed with the mutant gene. I didn't like the results. I won't tolerate any such pop, <laughs> blam. And yes, you will. <laughs> and here he comes out of the background, but I will. Psst, it's me, the sinister with the mutant gene. And if you must know, my mutant power is overthrowing tyrants and being absolutely fabulous. Oh, my Lord. I can that, see that. That wasn't even the real one. And now you have one that has somewhat of a cape. He now has what is classically the visual of Mr. Sinister, these kind of shredded epaulets. Epaulet. Car wash cape? Basically, yeah. Working out the car wash. Mm-hmm. Mr. Sinister has a side job. He's a car wash. I mean, it'd be the most efficient car wash ever. You could wash so many cars with all those clones. So many. And all so- right. Sinister's in, you know, loves the ambition, loves every bit of it. So tell me, partners, what's next for our sinful secret confederacy? And Xavier, you know, touching his mind, you know what that means. I'm in your brain. First, we need you to begin the good work and then forget why you're doing it and that we were even here until we need to. So is he going to make him forget or is he just basically like, are they just mafia in him and saying be quiet i think the hand on the head like that and just how he's approaching this yeah they're planting the seed in mr sinister's mind that you're going to catalog mutant dna and you're not going to know this is your idea why or for who you're you're just yeah. doing it and you're then just, one day we're going to show up and be like yo we need this we now. need that dun, dun, dun. it's it's risky right i don't know what it's he's super well, risky I mean, you I, know i know what he's doing it for but you don't no, I don't. Right. The Red Diamond. Oh, my gosh. All the, the best news and gossip from Bar Sinister. That's funny. This the this page and I believe the next page after it are a series of what are referred to as Sinister's Secrets. And I don't necessarily want to go through all of these. They do have some references to various characters. There's nothing confirmed. So some things you have to kind of know or infer. I These don't... are ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. The first one, he's trying to pretend that no one noticed he was wearing red shoes. But this truly sinister, sinister isn't fooling anyone. Mm-hmm. That's one of his secrets that he's wearing red shoes. Hey, who knows? All right. So you were saying what there are some that are important. Uh, we we don't actually know what it is that they're referring to. This is really just a lot of potential clues. I think the second one refers to a mutant named Jumbo Carnation. The third one, I think, refers to Madeline Pryor. Um, they're, they're things that we don't necessarily see Madeline play out. Madeline Pryor, why do I know that name? Well, you, uh, she is Mr. Sinister's clone of Jean Grey. I must have just heard you talk about it at some point. She causes Inferno. Oh, Inferno. That's a whole nother story. Yeah, from the 80s. The 80s. One of my favorite crossovers. 
Yes. Now I understand why I've heard it before. The last one is pretty interesting. Sinister Secrets Revealed, where it mentions where the the mutant DNA has come from, that now he's introduced into his clone. So the the sinister that came in that said, "I, I will, the sinister with the mutant DNA. The OG sinister. We assume. Um, Ugh, whenever you say that, <laughs> I just am so... Well, he, he obviously isn't the OG Sinister because there were Sinisters without a mutant gene and then he cloned a version of himself with a mutant gene. Oh, right. that little tidbit of information I didn't quite understand before this moment. Gotcha. Okay. So he's not the OG. He could just be the OG mutant gene. So what's his mutant power? Well, so oh well, read further. <laughs> the DNA labeled John Proudstar Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Thunderbird died in his first mission after Giant Size X Men number one. And then he was in the Gifted. I technically, and I don't remember who. I don't think we. That was either John Proudstar or James Proudstar, which is his brother. John, John was his name in the Gifted, I believe. Well, then that is the original Thunderbird who died. That guy looked more like James Proudstar, who's Warpath. I think his name is John. This is off topic. And then there's a second page of Sinister Secrets. Sinister Secrets. A couple of other ones of these that I've looked into. I think the number five is talking about Logan, Gene, Scott, and Emma. What do you mean talking about them? Like, are did he, are you saying he made clones of these people? Is that what you're? I don't. the The secret is referencing. So, if you read the secret, he's the best there is at what he does. That is a that's trademark. A, that's Wolverine. Wolverine line. says that she's married with a kid. The husband knows exactly what's going on, but who is he to point the finger? He's up to much of the same and more. Maybe it's just the new normal on the mutant island. So there's always been some kind of romantic tension with Logan. Love triangle situation. Yeah, well, it's even more of a, a square after <laughs> Cyclops and Emma became a thing in New X Men timeline. Mm-hmm. All right. So I don't, I don't think that these are specifically referencing things that have to do with him having clones. These specific secrets reference various mutants. Basically, Mister Sinister is a gossip. I mean, this is called the gossip column. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Yeah. So it's so they're not sinister secrets. They're not sinister's secrets. They're just secrets that he knows. Sure. <laughs> sure. Got it. Okay. Uh, a couple of these other ones. The number six felt like a connection to life nine, just the way that it's talking about these this destroyed samples that were switched out beforehand that makes me think of the the fourth generation of sinister clones on mars that then turned and and committed suicide and killed off the mutant population that was one of the previous issues of powers of 10 oh i was going to say so a lot of these little secrets are kind of like easter eggs to people who know a lot about could be the stories and and they could you know they're referencing things they even have in Sinister Secrets Revealed on this page, it talks about Inferno. You know, it mentions specifically Inferno. Cool. 
months ago, but um, months ago in relation to X to the first. So this is the tenth year. So this is the House of X timeline, right? Which is Moira's tenth life, right? <laughs> I have to say it every single time. And that's when they had just gone to the forge and they had done that mission. Oh, when all the peeps died. Yep. And so this is months earlier, months before that. Okay. Months before that. And again, this the visual of space. You see just this giant area. And we don't know exactly where we are. Is that? No, that's a rock. It's not a tower. But we have Doug Ramsey, who is Cypher. Hey, Cypher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I love the detail of the birds flying behind him, and he's just making a joke about you know if this was a vacation I would have packed something, would have packed an extra suitcase or a bathing suit, <laughs> and you get the over the shoulder shot. I'm sorry to say this is not a vacation. Who is that, Professor Xavier? I mean you don't know that by looking at it, but you looks find like it out Sherlock Holmes because of the hat. Yeah, <laughs> it's Xavier on safari. I'm on safari. And I'm standing again. Which is interesting. Are you going to elaborate on why it's interesting? It's interesting because he's gone from in a wheelchair into into a hover chair, into standing. He just has... I don't know any more reason as to why. There's no secrets inside your brain that you're just not feeding. I mean, so there was, (laughs) before this, it was understood that Xavier's consciousness was in a clone of Phantom X's body, which Phantom X is actually that guy right there. Oh, what up, Phantom X? Who I just got in the Nimrod three-pack from Marvel Legends from Hasbro. Yes. I like that Nimrod hangs out with us while we do the podcast now. Yeah. I love him. Claps. He's just so cute. Destroys things. Yay, destruction. Okay, anyway, so Sherlock Xavier... Yep. This is Krakoa. <laughs> He's living his best John Hammond life right now. Yeah. And I love this line from Doug. Oh, cool. The secret island where mutants come to die. Fantastic. Excellent choice, sir. <laughs> and Xavier makes a, a point about sarcasm from the mutant whose power is understanding and deciphering the nuances of any language. And you know, he kind of calls out Doug. And he's describing how he's made telepathic contact with Krakoa. That Krakoa no longer is trying to be an adversary and to eat eat mutants. Eat mutants. They've started to form a relationship between Mutant Island and Mutant Man. Wait. Oh, so in year 10, bef- months before they go to the forge... Mm-hmm. Krakoa as a nation or like with all the portals and all that stuff with the didn't trading, exist. all of that doesn't exist. It was just Krakoa the island who we had previously known from Giant Size X-Men. And that's the reference that Douglas makes. Oh, great. The mutant island that eats people. So in the first issue, wait a minute. Is the first issue the one where... Cyclops breaks up them trying to take uh, the Fantastic Four. Yes. Okay. Hmm. So this is months before that. But he, months. 
before he dies does where does that fit in the timeline that's my question you don't have to answer because i know that you won't before who dies cyclops did not cyclops just die in the last issue so this is months before that right but so within those months they establish all of that krakoa that's what they're talking about right now yeah oh all right right, okay my bad my bad (laughs) i was just trying to see if something fishy was up that's all no 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 no. it's just it's just that you don't, as a reader, even have all this information. It's filling in the information as we I know, continue to go. And as a reader, I know that you well, know. Well, you are not a reader. As a, <laughs> as a looking at the pictures and letting my husband explain it to me. Yes, that's why we have a podcast, dear. <laughs> Welcome to the X Wife Podcast. Um, yeah, okay. As a person getting the story firsthand, I know that you know more than me so sometimes i like to just keep asking questions and see if you'll do a little slip and give me some i'm not i won't i won't okay so quit it meow, meow. all right so so he wants to introduce doug to krakoa and these three little panels at the top where you see doug's technology arm mm-hmm. touch some flowers and look as though they're turning into technology I think it's really interesting, and it's not even discussed or talked about. I think that's a seed for the future. Oh, I didn't even notice that until you pointed it out. That's cool. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, that arm is Warlock or or is connected to Warlock. Warlock is another new mutant or potentially was another mutant. new mutant. He has died in the comics. I mean, so is Doug. Sorry, Doug. Sorry, Doug. Hey, it's Doug. Hey, new Doug. All right, so Doug meets Krakoa. And this and this is really the first time that we see Krakoa in this form. We've seen him as essentially a man mm-hmm. in the year 100. And we've seen him as a network of eyes on a wall. But this is the first time that we've really seen a tree-looking face. Yes. He asks Douglas, say hello, you know, just start the conversation. Talk it out. And as I mentioned, so Doug, Doug's power is that he can understand and start to build connection and communication with anything. And that varies and, and grows in different directions throughout history and how he can read body languages, how he can even extend into more technology and code. That's cool. And so he's... Krakoa responds and he's analyzing it. You know, no fricatives would make sense. Layering is dense. Ask him something else, like how he's feeling or whatever. And he responds, Krakoa responds, and Xavier says he's sad. And Doug gets the sense that uh, it's more, the communication that you're having is more empathetic than actual language. What Xavier is getting from Right. Him. Yeah, you're talking, but it's not at a complex, nuanced level. Xavier friend, island friend, friends happy, friends many years, right? You know, he's not actually having an in-depth conversation because that small bit of text as what Doug then goes into telling the story with the pictures on the next page is much more complicated, much deeper than that. And he starts to tell this story of we were Okara, the one land, ancient before the word existed. Those things remind me of the Titans. Oh, those those monsters coming out through the, the ground? Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's interesting just the depth of story that's been picked up in such a short length of dialogue. But then we see the warrior god in blue who looks like... Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. He has his little A. And he's got his four... You know, he sent set his four to sentinel that land and sealed the chasm shut. Never to be opened again. Kind of like how Zeus slayed the Titans. Yeah, kind of. Or something like that. You or know, something. He, he just has this read of a pretty deep Here's backstory. a super in-depth story. This or something like yeah, this. Something happened. along those lines. All right. So this is what once happened to Krakoa. Like this is Krakoa's, Krakoa's basically, backstory. Yeah, Krakoa is basically telling their backstory to Doug. And Doug is actually picking up the nuances of what he's saying versus just that Krakoa feels sad. There's a lot of depth to why. Right. So Doug really likes the place and uh, Professor X is happy about that because he is going to ask him to stay on the island. He's like, peace out. Yeah. Ah, Professor X has plans. I'm interested. And I do like these last two panels. It's better if I show you. And he seemingly opens his mind to Doug. And then on the next page, <laughs> Doug is like, whoa. whoa. Yeah. It's, I, we don't know what's revealed to him. We don't know if that is anything that he's picked up from Moira, if that is just a long-term plan of what they're trying to do. They've only potentially got months to accomplish it. It's got to be some kind of plan because he says, well, that's ambitious. Right. And so he's asking him, how long is this going to take you? So he's detailing all, Doug's detailing all of the phonology, syntax, building an interface, ecosystem, just trying to understand how to build systems into and out of Krakoa. Right. So basically, and I feel like we may have talked about this in an earlier issue that Cypher is basically responsible for helping to build what Krakoa becomes. Yeah especially in terms of integrating technology and communication with the biological systems. So the, the, the portals that pop up and Krakoa's ability to communicate or know what's going on with all the mutants that come in, go. Right, and, where Sage was doing analysis of who's coming through the portal. These are all things that are part of those systems. Cool. The systems that he is now just about to start to build as he's tossed this one bag for months this should be enough yeah yeah why not and on the next page we actually get to see a data page of those systems so an interface was built by doug ramsey translation program so that other mutants can interface and interact with the island without needing cipher as a go-between and they talk about these four and potentially a fifth uh, different systems of krakoa transit and monitoring like monitoring like we were just talking about with sage defense and observation with black tom cassidy secondary into external systems with trinary who's a technopath that i think we talked about she was one of the stations as part of the xavier communicating with the mission to the forge mm -hmm. and overwatch and data analysis beast who was also as part of that team and then below while there has been no actual evidence of a Krakoan skunk works existing, there are rumors of a massive subterranean laboratory where Forge is busy building biological machines that could possibly be used to manage a mutant expansion on the island. I had to look up what skunks, skunk works was. I don't know if you know what that was. No. It's, uh, 
an organization given a high degree of autonomy and unhampered by bureaucracy with the task of working on advanced or secret projects. So, hey, Forge, just go do some stuff that we need you to do and don't tell anybody. And Forge is the one to do that. That's funny. The maker, the builder. Forge. Oh, we're back in year 1000. X to the three, X-Men, year 1000. And what the heck are those? Wait, is that the, the phalanx? Yep. Oh, they're so creepy looking. Oh, yeah. And we have this elder person who seems to be of the same race as librarian. Mm-hmm. And they reference this seer self, which I don't know what that is. Or you don't know what that is. <laughs> you know what that is. We're ready for conversion. We hope for ascension. And the phalanx doesn't care what you hope for. Will you, uh, we don't we don't care what you want. Will you extend or not? We have to try. The idea that knowing that your great union exists just beyond our reach is something we can't tolerate. We want to be a part of. And we've talked about this in the past that that's what seems to be their big goal. They want to be a part of, to join, to ascend into the... They, they want to transcend. Sure. Yeah. They want to... I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just feeling the hundred right now up in my oh. life. <laughs> oh, I didn't. It has nothing to do with anything. Sorry, sorry. You don't even have to put that in there if you don't want to. <laughs> and so this, this see yourself is on the next page offered up to this phalanx that consumes and dissolves. Is it? The see yourself? Seer. S-E-E-R hyphen self. See yourself. Hmm. Okay. And the phalanx is like, destroyed. <laughs> tasty, or, tasty robot eyes. Taken up and ascended. And so well, on. so this is information. And the elder asks, am I in there anywhere? If I was in there, you would know the sequence. And then the phalanx recites the sequence back to the elder. I just don't even understand what's happening. So what's happening is this society of elder beings. Right. And, right. So they have, they're having this. There's they've little Nimrod. Yep. They've established connection, communication with the phalanx. Right. Yes. They've now just sent a seer self, which we don't actually knows we don't know what that is it's going to come up in the next page or two okay and that was absorbed by the phalanx and the elders like if i'm in there you would know this sequence of dialogue and the phalanx recites the sequence of dialogue so so it worked this this elders being consciousness something mm -hmm. was in that thing Okay. And so the question remains, whoa, whoa, whoa. is this form, do you find this form, this conversion acceptable? And they, they're going to, you have to await our response. We'll call you. Yeah. We'll see oh, if this my actually. people call your people. Right. And then on that next page, we, we have a little conversation. This is. Wait, so does the phalanx just, what is happening here? They're leaving? They're basically doing some data analysis to see if what they've just absorbed is potentially worthy of the ascension of what they're asking for. 
And this next page really is, I think, in service to the reader to understand a little bit more about what's happening. Because even the librarian says, I don't understand what just happened. I'm with you. I don't either. And they're talking about, you know, this woman next to him is talking about this empire of the phalanx. It's not really even an empire. It's a giant space organization collective that absorbs only machine intelligence. And if you're worth their effort, if you're worth becoming part of them, then everyone ascends and joins that collective of intelligence. So they're they're measuring through. Right. We talked about this a little bit. They're kind of like a giant hive mind and you just become part mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. And the, the phalanx have the ability to integrate any machine intelligence into their collective, which after a period of time, if that intelligence is found useful, worthy, it will eventually ascend and be part of the greater collective, subsumed into the empire. So they're wondering, is this is this acceptable? Am is this I good? worthy? Right. Am I worthy of being absorbed into the phalanx higher intelligence, higher being? And that's the issue is that this process doesn't work with biological entities. So the elder made a host machine, an empty vessel, and copied herself and copied himself over into it before the phalanx absorbed it. We just confirmed that he was in there somewhere. So that reciting of dialogue was the machine consciousness of that person. Can't Nimrod just be like, I'm a machine. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> well, Nimrod is year 100, right? We, well, uh, yeah, yeah, but the little this... one. well, I think that Nimrod is the librarian's machine or has connection to the librarian's database or intelligence. Oh, maybe as an extension of right. or something. Okay. And even, even the librarian is saying, are we trying to trick them? We're just hoping that we found a workaround for this problem. This We want to join their consciousness. So saying, you know, if we upload all of our, basically if we upload all of our consciousnesses, is that a word? Consciousnesses? Sure. Consciousness? <laughs> That's not, not a word. <laughs> I like the first one better. If they do that, then they can ascend by technology mm-hmm. and sort of it's like a loophole workaround. That's what they're trying this as an option. So these these people on this rooftop reaching out, they had sent this Nimbus to them a couple of issues ago, mm-hmm. got their attention. In the back of that Nimbus, there was this idea that we hope for ascension. So that brought them down. There was something more in that message. So now they're here, they're down, they're talking to these individuals. And this first one sends their seer self, which now we've gotten some explanation that mm-hmm. what it is, it's a host intelligence for that individual person. Yep. That's been absorbed into the phalanx. And now they're awaiting to see, is this going to be acceptable for us as a society to ascend into you and your consciousness, in you and your hive mind intelligence well okay does that i mean it that in itself and in it as an individual story makes sense to me i still don't understand at all how this connects to the overarching Correct. storylines yes that is i that I'm, is 100 accurate great and i was in the same boat when i was reading this the first time great that this 
you know, are these mutants? Are these humans? Are these man-machine hybrids? Where's they... Orcus? What happened? What's going on? Yeah, Orcus wasn't in year 100. Orcus hasn't been referenced. There's been some, I remember a previous episode where we were talking about how the philosophies of what seemed now to be this society were kind of being spouted at that church of ascendancy in year 100. Mm -hmm. So it's almost as though what happened between year 10 and year 100 was the development into the beginnings of what then became year 1000. Then we yes. have our last quote. We have our last quote at the end. Oh my gosh, here it is. I'm not afraid of what I've done, but I do fear what it will one day cost. Professor X. Dun, 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 dun. Whew. How was this? This was good. It it wasn't too too jumpy. I well, we we only have three timelines now, or, or three. Uh, All right. I mean, we can assume that X to the one hundred or X to the what two? Yes, I don't know. Year, don't year ask one, me. <laughs> year one hundred. I'm just gonna say yeah. Mm -hmm, that yeah, X that's to the, it. X to the two is potentially done because. They have achieved their goal. Moira has been killed at the end of it. It was yeah. revealed to be her ninth life. Yeah, they just they just took it right out. What are your, what are your overall thoughts? Overall thoughts. Um, interested in what happens with the development of Krakoa. It's yeah. nice to see that point. Some kind of backstory of how that comes to be. It is, but also like, feels a little trivial i didn't really need it as much i feel i was kind of like okay i think it really centers doug's importance yes definitely if doug well if doug becomes in my mind he's just doug what's up i'm doug i'm here i'm with krakoa we're making a land but <laughs> i don't know anything else about it so i guess if he becomes important in later issues then i have some sort of connection to him or i understand his background a little bit more and also that little technology bit right right which i totally would have missed if you hadn't said anything but um and we also get a little bit more even in between history of krakoa that you know xavier has been building this relationship with him that we get some understanding as to how krakoa has gone from this mutant killing island to what will eventually be the nation of mutants it's interesting also that Xavier's been building a relationship with Krakoa, but doesn't actually fully understand Krakoa. Right, because he's just trying to talk with him telepathically. That's just an empathetic relationship. Right. Which is also an interesting, um, well, I guess it's only because Xavier can't understand Krakoa's language, which right. is why he's only receiving general feelings general of messages, feeling right. right versus being able to just under like hear people's random thoughts or mm -hmm. whatnot yeah yeah it was it was information i understood it so that's good <laughs> that's my overall thoughts that's cool. the artwork is was also really beautiful i always love seeing krakowin landscape um yeah, I thought it oh, was and a, Mr. Sinister, that yeah. sassy pants. I really I really liked sections of this. I, I thought that it was a cool issue overall. Mr. Sinister was probably my favorite. I just loved him. I, I thought Doug has a really interesting setup and much larger importance than otherwise typical in X-Men comics. I feel like he's often relegated to a side character 
who writers don't seem to often know how to utilize this power set in a cool and interesting way. And mm -hmm. I think that this from the outset is putting him into a much more important role than he typically is. I like that Xavier's giving me John Hammond vibes. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting to see the, the systems forming and how certain mutants are then going to head up Krakoan security and defense and, and different protocols, different operations of the island. And we get a lot more context explanation, not a lot more, but some more information as to what's going on with the phalanx and the blue people. Yeah. In year 1000. Sort of, kind of. I still, I mean, I, at this point, I still didn't feel 100% with that. But everything from that year in this issue felt as though it was in service of understanding this complex idea of what's happening in the future. Mm -hmm. It was more, hey, we've shown you this. We're going to peel it back a little bit more and tell you a little bit more about what's going on. Yes. Whether or not you know how to place that is another thing. Yeah, you just place it in... It's just put it in your brain pocket. Put it in your brain pocket. That's what I say a lot. It's out there in the space. future. and Put it in your brain pocket. Save it for later. There you go. So I have a question for people who are listening mm. um, that I would love to hear your answers to. If you want to shoot us an email at the podcast at gmail.com. So in this issue, we're talking about uh, the gathering of mutant DNA which to me makes me think of chimeras and this idea of building your ideal mutant. So I want to know if you could make yourself into a chimera, what would you, what would you choose? What? Yeah. What are your, what ingredients, what mutant ingredients would you put into? All right. So first of all, if, if you grew up, reading x-men or watching x-men you always dreamt about being a mutant yeah you always dreamt about oh i'm 13 oh my mutant powers are coming in that would be the greatest thing everybody in the comics makes it seem like it's this big curse and they hate it yeah if you're green or you're scaly or you've got rocks yeah, for arms that kind of sucks but you've got superpowers that'd be the coolest thing ever now you have the ability to take from that pool of superpowers and pick a handful pick how, how many three three let's okay. say three because uh, there were one generation that were, I think, two, and then one that were up to five, like Rasputin. She's five different mutants. Let's go. Let's go three, just for the purposes of our little query. Three. You can have three. Right. You want to know what my three are? Yeah, save them. Save them. Dun dun dun. Okay. Yeah, I'll save them. Save them for the live. For episode. the live. Ooh, save them for the live. We'll reveal. Our choices. I'll probably and... have multiple choices. <laughs> no, you have to. You have to choose one. If we're making the people choose one combination of three, you... I'm above the people. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're all my people. You're all my people. All right, cool. Yeah. So email us those at theexwifepodcast at gmail dot com or comment on a social media post. Yeah. We're we're going to be doing a social media post about this. Tweet at us. Send us a message. At the ex-wife podcast. Shout it real loud. Just get, stand in the street and yell it and see if we could hear you. We might hear you. You never know. We don't know how close you live. You could be our neighbor. This is how we find out. We don't know our neighbors that well. <laughs> except for Dottie. Dottie. Okay. You don't know Dottie, but that's okay. She's great. Well, until next time, old friend. Charles. Charles.
Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>